Pastor Corey here with Heights Church. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. If you would like more information about Heights Church, simply go to weareheights.org or follow us on our Facebook page. If you're looking to get plugged into a church, feel free to reach out to us via our website by simply clicking contact, and we will help you find a similar church in your area. Hope the podcast serves you well, and thanks for tuning in. David, I'm one of the pastors here. Get the privilege of preaching to you. One more week and spend a few weeks. It's been really cool getting to be up here with you guys. And so um, if you're watching online too, I'm glad that you guys are with us, joining us. I want to give you a little bit about just me for a second, not to ever make this about me, but I want to give you just a little bit of like set the stage for this text. Uh, growing up, my dad was very like regimented and like there was rules to follow. Like he, he, my dad was one of the hardest workers I've ever met in my life, but I was lazy. I mean, I just, if I could avoid doing something, I would. Even like through school, it was like always kind of frustrating. And now that I look back, because I, I was good enough at sports that I could just do enough to be above average. I could just, like, I wrestled growing up. That was my sport. And I could do just enough to be above average. And now looking back, I'm like, man, I could have tried harder and probably have done better. Grades, I saw no point in trying to have straight A's. Didn't make any sense to me. I'd kill my kids now. Not literally. I shouldn't say that. I'm on Facebook Live. Um, they'd be in a lot of trouble. Like, they're smart enough to have A's. I was probably smart enough to have A's. But, like, B's and C's were okay with me. Like, I just wanted to get by. I just didn't want to put that full effort into that. It just didn't make sense to me. But then, like, as I graduated high school, I didn't really have a plan. And so my dad looked at me, and he said, here's the deal. You can go to college, you can go to the military, or you can go to work with me in construction, plastering. Or you move out of my house. Pick one. I was like, oh, dang, all right. So I went to work with him because I didn't really have a plan. I didn't know what to do. So I show up on this construction site, an 18-year-old lazy punk, and these dudes that are on this job, now, like, they're paying their bills, they're paying their mortgage. They're feeding their kids. They're putting their kids in sports. They, they, it's different, right? Like, I'm just there, like, for spending money and doing whatever because I'm still living at home and paid very minimal rent. It was just I did whatever I wanted to do. And so I had to learn very quickly that hard work is going to matter. What I didn't realize, like, my dad had been instilling that in me my whole life. It's just it hadn't clicked yet. Then fast forward about 10 years, I feel this calling to go into ministry and, like, Everything in my life changed because I needed experience. I needed a degree. I needed some work at a church because no one hires a construction worker to be a student pastor. That would be weird and wouldn't make sense, and you don't meet the qualifications from that, right? Like, that doesn't work that way. So I quit my job. I'm doing a residency at a church. I'm taking as many credit hours as humanly possible. I'm raising twin boys at this time, like a part-time stay-at-home dad. Like, it's crazy. But my, my work ethic just clicked up another notch. And so... Worked really, really hard through that. Got hired at a church in Benton, Illinois to be their youth pastor, student pastor. So here's what happens when you're a student pastor. You eat a lot of pizza, a lot of McDonald's. You play dodgeball, but you're not burning a lot of calories. And you go and you camps and different things like that. Awesome. Not belittling student ministry at all, but I'm just telling you that's like there's a lot of that. Teaching God's word and having fun with students. That's the, really the focus of it. Here's what happens. You just kind of get out of shape. I was out of shape. I've been working in construction my whole life then and been working out and, and was in decent shape. But as I've been doing that, then 
I was like, thought I was in shape until I went to Chicago to this Moody Bible Conference, and I'm there with the two other pastors that are on staff, Sammy, the lead pastor, and Michael, the discipleship pastor, and we we're going to go get lunch, and it's raining, and so they said, let's run. Well, here's the deal. They had been training for a triathlon, and if you think people who do CrossFit talk a lot about CrossFit, find someone who's training for a triathlon. They don't shut up. It's worse. It's like worse than, maybe it's just me, because I never did it, but I, you know, it just got on my nerves. Probably because I wasn't working out at all, and I was like, well, you guys shut up about how fit you are. Um, so we take off running through the rain, and by the time we get to Chick-fil-A, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm like bent over, I'm like gassed. They're like, what's wrong with you? I was like, we just ran a city block. What do you mean? And they're like, fine. And I'm like, but we were going to Chick-fil-A, so it was worth it, right? Like, we were there, and I was, it was good. But then from that, Sammy and him, him and I were super competitive against one another, and still awesome friends today, even though this happened, he goes, I bet you I could beat you in a 5K. We'll see our student ministry camp was coming up just like a little bit after that, and they do a 5K fundraiser every year at that camp. And I was like, you can't beat me in a 5K. I was like, I'm too competitive. I would rather die than lose to you. So he's like, all right, here's what we'll bet. The loser has to eat a Cheeto from in between the winner's toes. I said, fine. If you want to put yourself through that, sounds great to me. So I start training for a 5K. Lasted two days. thought, I don't need to do this. This is stupid. I really don't want to go running. So we're in Chattanooga for the student ministry camp, and we're running. And there's a lot of hills in Tennessee, in Chattanooga. If you've ever been there, it's not like Illinois. We're flat here, very curved, and everywhere it's crazy, right? Mile in, I'm smoked. I'm like, this is stupid. I'm going to lose. I'm at least going to have fun with it. So I take a shortcut, and I hide in the bushes. Until Sammy comes around the corner for the last straightaway, and I take off sprinting, and he sees me. He has to have known that I cheated at this point, which I wasn't going to try to claim victory. He takes off sprinting, but his legs are shot, and he collapses at the finish line, wins, but he, like, gets all skinned up. So I feel really bad. But to get even with me, he decides he's just not going to shower all day until I have to eat that Cheeto from in between his toes. <laughs> so word has traveled at this point back to the church. I get home, and there's dudes that started doing CrossFit, and they're like, hey, do you think maybe you ought to do something to work out? I'm like, yeah, I think so. And so I start working out and start doing CrossFit, and it just clicked with me. I loved it. I mean, it was like the best thing ever, and I just took off with it. And I started learning how to do it and learning the different lifts and movements and all that went into it. And I, I set goals. And as I like, progressed in that, I started hitting those goals, moved back here to plant the church and got to a new CrossFit box and just really, like, loved it as a sport and as a, like a pathway to fitness, even to the point like I started coaching it. I mean, there wasn't really any movements I couldn't do, and I kept, you know, growing in the different like strength areas of it, and I was competing. It was great. For seven years, I did that and loved it. And then COVID happened, and I realized like I was in my late 30s at that point a couple years ago, right? Yeah. Turn 40 this year. So, yeah. Um, it's sad. I don't like even mentioning I'm turning 40. So, I just I stopped doing it. Here's what's happened I've become dull at CrossFit. I have. Like, I'm still fit. I still work out. I just don't do CrossFit. It's beating my body up too much. And the reality is, is, no one cares what I used to deadlift or squat clean or how many handstand push ups I could do. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant, right? Like, none of you care and you shouldn't care. I don't even really care anymore. But here's the deal. I found another pathway to fitness, just another working out method that's fine, another program. But when it comes to God, if we become dull of hearing to him, there's no other path. There's nothing else. It's it. 
Like, you can try to be fit in a lot of different ways. You can cycle, you can run, you can swim, you can lift weights, you can do CrossFit, you can do yoga. It doesn't matter. Like, all those will lead to some level of fitness. But if you stop hearing from God, you're done. You become just dull, it says in this word. And that's so scary because we don't sometimes understand why we need to hear from God. And here's the reality of it. If you don't hear from God, you're not going to know his will, you're not going to know what to do, and you're never going to step into the things that he's called you to do, and you're not going to know how to even respond when the difficulties come or when there's this, a discernment that's needed of good and evil, like the text talks about, we have to hear from God. And yet these people here, they became dull. And my fear is that as American Christians, we have become dull of hearing, and that's why Christianity is on the decline here, and it's on the incline everywhere else except for Europe. There's a problem. There is a problem. We need to know God's will so we know what we're supposed to do. So here's our big idea for the day as we just kind of step into this. We don't know God's will because we don't know God's word. If you don't know his word, you will miss out on what his will is. Now, I want to like make this really clear because I think that there's a, a, a danger here in saying this. You can be a Christian who does not know God's word because you have become dull of hearing. You're going to miss out on a lot that God has to offer for your life. You will. You're going to miss out. That's on you. Like, we can't make you want to live that out. But when you die or Jesus returns, you will either go to heaven or you'll spend eternity with him depending on, you know, if you die before he comes back, right? Tracking with me? Now, here's the deal. Some of you have been coming to church for a very long time. Some of you watching online, you've been coming to church for a very long time. And you're thinking, maybe the reason I've not grown in my faith is just because I'm dull of hearing. Hear me. It might be because you're not a Christian. Just want to lay that out there because I don't want you to use this as a crutch. I don't say that to be harsh. I don't say that to be mean. I say it as a warning to you that sometimes we're like, well, I'm just not growing in my faith because blah, blah, blah. And yet, if there's never been fruit in your life, that is a scary thing. And I want you to know, next week, you need to be here because the following text that Tim Gray is going to preach next week while Corey and I are in Mexico it's so important for you to hear. So important. Like I, I, I'm very much anticipating what God will do through Tim preaching God's word to you. It's going to be really good for you to hear because it's going to speak to that. But I wanted to say it today just so you don't use this as a crutch because it could be like you're just not really a Christian. And, and that's not something that's horrible. It's just because God's done everything necessary for you to be a Christian, to be saved, okay? So let's just get that there. But now what we have to understand is why are we dull of hearing? Why? What has happened? Here, these people are facing tons of persecution. They're like beaten down. They're, they're getting kind of just worn out and they're ready to walk away. Like, this is too hard. I don't want to do this. That's why they were, but yet there's obviously more going on behind the scenes, right? There always is. It's not just like you're tired, so you're dull of hearing. There's more to it. And for them, for us, the truth is that, like, the problem with being dull of hearing is it causes things to be hard to explain. You can't understand God's word. That's what he's saying here. You become malnourished in a sense. There's a lack of growth as a Christian. It's hard to be obedient if you're dull of hearing because you, you don't know God's word. You're just in a bad place. You can't even discern good from evil. And I, I believe all those are clearly from two different things. Two primary forces at work here that would cause you to be dull of hearing. So here, here they are. Yourself. You would be one of the primary factors in, your, in being dull of hearing. Because you desire to be Savior or Lord. 
That's what we've been saying this whole sermon series, that we have to see Jesus as both Savior and Lord. We can't see him as one or the other. And sometimes when we get really messed up, we just see ourselves as both. Like we think that we've got it all covered. I'm Lord. I can take care of myself. I don't need any of that. That will cause you as a believer to be dull of hearing really quick. The other force that is at work here is Satan and his ability to lull you to sleep so you don't grow in your faith. So everything I'm going to present to you right now, whether it's you just as a person, us as collectively, because like that's a reality too. As a church, we could be lulled to sleep really fast. It could happen. I'm not saying that we are, but it can happen. It's going to stem from one of those two sources, maybe both. And so we're going to dig into it. Now hear me. Satan, his goal is to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants you dead. He never wants you to put your faith in Jesus. He does not want you to be a Christian because then you're going to spend eternity with God and not eternity suffering with him. He knows his destination, and he wants to bring everyone with him that he can. But for those of us that he cannot stop us from being, because he can't, God is sovereign, God's going to save, so he loses on that. What he wants to do then, since he can't stop you from being saved, is he wants to render you ineffective. He wants you to never grow in your faith. He wants you to be dull of hearing so that you accomplish nothing for the kingdom of God. That's, that's second best for him. He'll take it. He'll take it all day long. He wants you on your phone, scrolling through Facebook, scrolling through Instagram, looking at TikTok, whatever it is that you're doing. The next thing you know, that's what we do, right? Like you go to the bathroom 45 minutes later, you're like, well, did, did I... You're like, did I wipe yet? I don't remember. <laughs> a little graphic, huh? But you laugh because you're like, I've been there. I, dang it. How did I get here? Because that's what happens, right? Like, we're, we're, we start trying to read our Bible. And then what does he do? He comes up to you. He's like, hey, hey, calm down. You don't, Corey or David's going to preach on Sunday? Go back to sleep. And he slips that pacifier of Netflix or Peacock, Facebook, and TikTok, whatever, YouTube, back in your mouth. And you're like, oh, this is nice. I don't have to think for myself. I'm just going to go to sleep. And next thing you know, you just stay in that state of just being lulled to sleep. And, and Satan's got you in this, this, this place of passivity. He doesn't want you to grow. He doesn't want you to hear from God. He doesn't want you to understand his will. Because when you do those things, you're a force that can mess everything up that he has going. And he doesn't want that. Now you're saying, hey, you know what, David? That sounds great. And that may be some of you. But that's not me. Like, I'm not, I don't have social media. I don't even watch TV. Like, I don't do any of that stuff. Okay. Well, what Satan's done then, probably, I'm guessing, is he's lulled you to sleep of busyness. He's got you so busy that you don't have time for God's word or to even slow down to hear from God. You're so busy and you're just so wrapped up that your devotion should be to God, but now your devotion is to your wife, your kids, your, your husband, your family, your parents, your job. Maybe your devotion is even to heights. And what happens then is when your devotion isn't on God first, your priorities get so out of whack. It just messes everything up. Your devotion will drive your priorities. It, that's just the way it works. If you're devoted to God, your priority will be to know him more intimately and to grow in your faith. Then you can't become dull of hearing. But what pro the problem is, why we become dull of hearing, is because we get so busy, so busy. And Satan uses that busyness to just keep pressing in. Hey, guess what? You know, so-and-so's kids start taking piano lessons. Your kid can't play the piano. 
you really want your kid to grow up and not have any musical ability? <sighs> you're a horrible parent. Next thing you know, you're a kid signing up for piano. You know, and you're like, we don't even know. I have a piano. I don't know anything about piano. You're Googling piano instructors. Like, you're a mess. And you're trying to search for the next thing because, like, you, you've, you've, you're believing a lie that you have to have it. Or, man, if you don't get your kid in this, they're going to be behind. You really, you want them to play baseball in high school, right? Well, they got to be in select baseball because, I mean, it's six because otherwise they're going to be behind everyone else to start a select t-ball. And you're, like, signing your kid up for everything. It's just nonstop. You're just chasing every busy thing, and Satan just keeps doing that, doing that. And what happens is now the urgent seems like the essential. And it's not. There's things that just aren't that important. They can wait. So one of the biggest things that Corey, like, over the past few years has just taught me. Because I'm always like, oh, it has to happen now. He's like, dude, slow down. There's things that can wait 24 hours. Just hold on. Just stop. Just chill out and just wait. If it can wait 24 hours, wait 24 hours. Sometimes, if it can wait a few months, it can wait a year, do it then. You don't have to sign your kid up for everything. But yet Satan's like, man, this is great. I got them so busy. They're lulled to sleep. They don't even realize that they're running around like they're crazy. And they can't get anything done for my kingdom. They can't hear from God. They're dull of hearing. But, again, I said one of the primary factors is just ourselves. And so... Satan, he has limited abilities. He's not omnipresent. He's not omniscient. He's not sovereign. When he got cast out of heaven, he only took a third of the angels with him. So he's got limited resources, limited power. So maybe he looks at you and he's like, hey, you know what? They're doing a good job on their own. I've got some people over here that I need to take care of. I'm just going to let them destroy themselves. They're completely useless to the kingdom of God, and they're doing just fine messing themselves up. I really don't need to waste any resources on them. And the, way, the reason that would be is because you want to be Lord or Savior. I would want to be Lord or Savior. That's what happens. And so then we just keep going on. We just stay out of the word. Because if you, if you want to be Lord and Savior, you ain't getting in this. Because it points you back to that you're not. And then when you start trying to like, get into this, then you start feeling convicted and you, you don't pray. And then what happens is conviction leads to repentance and that doesn't feel good. Like, it just doesn't. You're like, I don't, I don't know about that. That's pushing in on things I like and things I don't want to be told. And he's just sitting back watching as you have lulled your own self to sleep. He didn't need to do anything. Because when we dig into God's word, what happens is we understand that there's an absolute truth, and it's, it's Jesus. I mean, he tells us that, right, in John 14, 6, that he's the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah, he's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus like, that's so important for us to hear. He's the truth. And so the reason why we don't stay hearing and we become dull of hearing is because we don't want absolute truth. The way of the world is that truth is just whatever you want it to be. That it's all subjective morality. You can decide what feels good for you and what feels good for them is them, and that's their deal. The world says just be fluid in truth. But what happens when you don't have absolute truth and you don't have God's works, that's the source of it. Anything in the Bible that rubs you the wrong way, anything that kind of presses in on you, you're like, well, that's not true. It was written 2,000 years ago. That was 4,000 years ago. I don't know if I believe that. Nah, that doesn't apply anymore. It's 2023, dude. Get over it. Like, they don't say that anymore. And you're just, that's why. Because you're just stuck in this place where you just want to believe what you want to believe. But if you're not dull of hearing, it convicts you and it strikes you right at the heart of who you are. And you're like, ugh. I don't know what to do. So you're just 
going along with whatever the world throws at you. Or the problem where it could still be us is that our devotion, again, is messed up. And our devotion is to being accepted, being in control, being in comfort, or having power. Those are four source idols that every other sin, sin is going to stem from one of those. And so your devotion now isn't on God, but it's on you being accepted by others. It's on you being in control and you being comfortable and you being the powerful one in every relationship and in every situation. And now your priorities are so out of whack that you never dig into God's word. And Jesus just takes a back seat because your priorities are messed up because your devotion's in the wrong spot. So... Whatever it is that's made you dull of hearing, the end result is this, is that you're inconsistent in the word and prayer at best. That's it. If I had been inconsistent in CrossFit, I would have never gotten any better at it. I, would have, I, I just wouldn't have. You can't. Like, you have to continue to go and to do things and, and to be active in it. Or you would just become out of shape and, you, and you're not going to get any better at it. But what happens to us when we're dull of hearing? Well, we're going to look at Scripture because it will tell us exactly this passage, what will, exactly will happen. So I'm going to just lay out some things. First, what you, will happen if you're dull of hearing is you cannot understand Scripture. And that's so, so sad because if you are truly saved, that means the Holy Spirit dwells in you and you have the ability through the Holy Spirit to understand what God is saying. He will reveal truth to you. He will speak to you through his word. He's going to help you to understand it. Now, someone who's not a believer, because I've met people, I've heard people say, well, I've read the whole Bible, and it doesn't make any sense to me, or that's not this, whatever, you know, they just run their mouths about how they've read the whole Bible, good for them, but they don't know it and understand it because they don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. So they don't get it. 1 Corinthians 1, 18, says that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. And then 121 says that the, that the message that they're preaching is foolishness to those who are perishing. So that's what I'm saying. is like if you're dead in your sins, this whole thing's foolish, and you're like, I don't know if I'm buying it. But as believers, you may just become dull of hearing and not be able to understand Scripture. That's what he's saying here. About this, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. He's been trying to tell them the supremacy of Christ and why they shouldn't walk away from the faith, and yet it's too hard for them to grasp because they became dull of hearing. And that's where we could end up being, is that we're just in a place where we cannot understand how God's grand narrative of the gospel has worked from creation to present day. We're missing out. Next, though, what would happen and while we're all of hearing is that we can't fulfill the Great Commission. And here's what concerned me as I wrote this is that some of us may be watching online or even in the room. And if you're new to your faith, that's different. But if you've been a Christian for a while and you don't even know what the Great Commission is, that concerns me. But I'm going to read it to you. It's from Matthew, 18, uh, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This is towards the end of Jesus being on earth after, after he resurrected. And this is what it says. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now catch this. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Scripture here tells us, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic principles of oracles of God. 
You cannot fulfill the Great Commission if you're dull of hearing, because you're unable then to teach anyone anything concerning the Word of God. He's wanting us to teach them to obey everything that he's commanded them. So as believers then, it doesn't mean that you have to be up here behind a pulpit. It doesn't mean you have to be in a kid's classroom. But my gosh, most of you have kids. That's why we're almost out of room back there. Y'all just keep having them. Well, that's great. Do it. But you got to be able to disciple them. It's your job first. It ain't my job first. I got my own. Corey's got his own. Jeff's got his own. You're the first line of defense to teach your own kids. You're the first line of defense to remind your spouse of the gospel. You're the first line of defense, single person, to remind your family members of the gospel when you're in their presence and doing life. Or maybe that person you start to date. It is your job to make disciples. The Great Commission is the call on everyone's life. It is not limited to a select few who decide of this as their vocation. It is for the believer. And you're unable to do it because you became dull of hearing. Next, the result of being dull of hearing, you're spiritually malnourished and weak. Now think about this, dudes in the room, men. If I came up to you after service, or you came up to me, and I was like, hey, come here. And you're like, yeah, what's up? And I sat down, like, come here, sit on my lap. And I start patting you and trying to get you to go to sleep. You'd punch me in my mouth. And thank God that you would. If I ever get that weird, knock me out, all right? And if you try to do it to me, I'm going to hit you. Just heads up. Christianity might be on the side for a second. I'm going to hit you. Like that's, that's strange, right? But as strong as we all want to act like we are, as tough as we want to act like we are, that's exactly what happened to you. You became spiritually malnourished and weak because you're not in the word. And Satan said, come here. Sit down. Sit on my lap. Hey, listen. Heights has got it. Your kids' ministry is fantastic. You don't need to talk to your kids about Jesus. You're tired. You're worn out. Work was hard today. This, that. You know, they're acting crazy. They're not going to listen to you. You don't need to talk to your spouse about this. You don't need to do anything. And you don't even need to be in the Word yourself. And now we're back to being lulled to sleep. And there ain't one of you who would let anyone in this room, another dude, try to lull you to sleep. You'd stand up for yourself. And yet we've just been content to be complacent and just sit and do nothing. Just do nothing. We're like, hey, it's okay. Someone else will take care of it. Maybe they won't. Someone's discipling you and someone's discipling your kids. Someone's discipling your spouse. And so women in the room, like, this doesn't exclude you. I'm just using an example, like, for dudes. Because we want to act tough. We want to act strong. And yet we're willing to let Satan just basically whoop us and give up. But women, you got kids, you got nieces, nephews, cousins, sisters, brothers, parents. Same thing. There's some powerful women of God in this room, in this church, but only if we stay, like, nourished. Because, like, you see them here, like, they, they became weak. Like, they, they did. It says that they, they're unskilled. They're unskilled to handle the word of God of righteousness because they're, they're like children. Like, we, when we get, I met a guy, first time here, first service. I met him out in the hall, and he, he told me, he goes, yeah, just, uh, what's the, 30? He goes, six days ago. One year anniversary of my becoming a Christian. He says it says birthday. He says one year my birthday. Because he wasn't a baby Christian, right? Like he should be expected to be kind of immature in his faith a little bit. Not not you. It's been saved for 10, 15, 20, 30 years, some of you. Like, come on. And yet we're just on milk. You need milk, not solid food. 
How many of you just want to sit around and just eat milk or drink milk? All? That's gross. I don't even drink milk now. But yeah, you needed it at some point in your life, right? Like there's not been any medical advances at all that have said this is going to be better than milk for a baby. Like there's formula, close second best. And I'm not like downplaying that. I'm going to be really, really careful. I told Corey, I was like, dude, I'm going to be real careful. I start treading into that water. But I'm just saying like the, re- the reality of it is like science and medical like experiments or whatever they do. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I'm a preacher. I guess they probably, I don't know. They probably did some kind of experiment with it. Um, that's it. It's, it's milk. That's going to help you. But if you took your kid into the doctor at 10 years old and they're like all sick and the doctor's like, what's up with your kid? And they're like, start asking you questions like, what, what's his diet? And you're like, oh, it's just, you know, milk. <laughs> they're like, what? You say, huh? Like, what else? No, nothing. Just milk. We're, we're a purely 2% family. Just milk. That's it. That's how we roll here. They're like, you're nuts. They're probably calling DCFS on you. Like, you've neglected your, ch- your child. They're not going to grow. They're going to be malnourished and sick. And yet, we'll live like that. We'll be a Christian for 15 years. And here's a, and here's a sad thing. Some of you, it's not even your own fault. You got saved, and, and there's churches that Jesus has removed their lampstand, and they're not even able to disciple you. They, just, they share the gospel, and thank God for that. And yet, they left you just the child. And God forbid that we do that. And if we have, I'm sorry, truly. And, I, and like, come and you tell me, Corey, whoever, like, y'all aren't discipling me. I'm not growing my faith. Like, we, we want to hear that because, like, we want to do a better job at it if we're, if we're failing you. But yet that's where some of us just sit, just sipping milk. We need to move on to, you know, baby food, softer food, cutting food up in small pieces and giving them things and let them experience. You don't hand a baby a steak, right? Like, you hand them a porterhouse steak, they're going to choke to death. Like, so we're not trying to give you, like, the deepest, we're not handing you John Piper stuff day one. Like, you're like, what the heck's going on? This dude just does all these run-on sentences. They can't keep up with him. If you've ever read a John Piper book, you're tracking with me. Obviously, not many of you have. It's Corey. It's all right. I don't blame you. Next thing, though. What happens when we're dolly hearing is we don't know the difference between good and evil. That's what it says here that we don't have power. Like, it's not talking about if you're on solid food, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice. So, consistency is really important. Constant practice is to distinguish good from evil. Now, you might be thinking, hey, I'm not dumb, David. I know good from evil, okay? Like, murder's wrong, theft is wrong, rape's wrong, lying's wrong. I know the Ten Commandments. Okay. I'm glad you know that. I really am. But let's just say, you know, your kid's a teenager now, and, you know, they're dating, and they're sleeping with their boyfriend or girlfriend. And you're like, well, Mark's like, bro, you're going to choke somebody. I hear you, Mark. I got you. I got you back. It'd be like that scene on Bad Boys. I'm sorry, I'm getting sidetracked. If you're just like, but, the, you know, they, at least I know. They're just with one person. They're on birth con- They're using birth control. It's fine. Like, are they really hurting? That's what we did when we were kids. Da, da, da. You start making all these excuses. And yet you never think, what does the Bible say? What does God's word say? And you're, cause in your doll of hearing, so you're unable to discern what is good and what is evil. What's good and what is sin. Maybe you have a child, loved one, cousin, aunt, uncle, whoever that comes out, that they're now gay. And you think, whoa, it's 2023. I mean, are they hurting any? They're not hurting anybody. Like, why do I have to be, like, 
saying that's a sin. Why, can't I just be happy for them? Can't I condone that? Like, we need to affirm that. We need to accept them in. We need to be okay with this. Like, we can't be against them. I don't want, I don't, what if they don't want to talk to me anymore? And yet we're unable to discern what is good and what is wrong. The Bible gives us clear direction. It's there. And if we're dull of hearing, I'm just giving you like two examples, I think, that are glaring in our face in culture because it's such a sexualized culture that it's easy for us to look at it and be like, yeah, well, that's what the world says, right? The world is saying it's a fluid truth. You don't have to have this absolute truth. Don't, don't hold so strong to any convictions. And we can't discern God's good truths without him. Like, we can't know evil and good apart from him. Adam and Eve tried, Right? They got kicked out of the garden, and here we are today as a result of it. They thought they could know good and evil apart from God, and they went and ate off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it went horribly wrong for them, and it's going horribly wrong for us. We can't be dull of hearing. And next, we can't move on to deeper doctrines of the faith. It says there in chapter 6, verse 1, Therefore let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. He is not saying that Jesus, as Jesus Christ, is elementary, that he's like just the basic thing. But here's the reality of it. The gospel is shallow enough for a kid and deep enough to drown an elephant. Like, it's there. Like, it's so much to it. Like, and if you're just at this basic level, it's like, yes, I am saved by Jesus because he died on the cross and he rose again and he loved me while I was a sinner. That's great. I'm glad you know that. But there's more. There's so much more. And we're missing out that we're just sitting there. And we're like, I don't know. I don't need to be a theologian. But, man, you need to know God's word. And here's why. Because as you know God's word, and you grow in that, so will your love for Jesus. It's inevitable. It just is going to happen, I promise you. It's going to take place right along with it in concert with one another. And then also, hard things happen. So as you grow in God's word and grow in your faith, so will your strength to be able to endure all the hard things that's going to take place in this life because they're going to come. Like, they're going to happen. This is not a cakewalk. Many of you know that already. I want to remind you, and you need to be strong in your faith. So how do we do that? How do we avoid being dull of hearing? Well, first, I want you to know, because we're all going to fail, right? Like, there's going to be seasons where we're all dull of hearing, me, you, all of us. There's grace. There's grace. Like, you're going to fail. He knew that. He can sympathize with you. Remember last week? He can sympathize with you. He gets it. He understands where you're at. He's not looking down, condemning. I can't believe I saved them. They're dull in their hearing now. No, he's saying, man, come back. And that's, the, that's what gives us the urge to come back, is that there's grace. There's grace at the foot of, the foot of the Jesus' throne. Like He's sitting there saying, come back to me. I got you. It's all good. I mentioned CrossFit, obviously. It's funny. I said in my first service, like, I used to use CrossFit as an illustration every single week while I did CrossFit. So you guys are really lucky, because otherwise I'd be talking about every single week. But what I can tell you is this, is there's no grace in CrossFit. There's just not. You fail there, and there's hopefully there's some encouragement and some coaching. Otherwise, like, just so competitive, it's like, dude, great, I'm glad he failed because I can beat him and do better than him. Like, that's the kind of attitude to it. But what has to happen then is to get better is, like, you have to have consistency. See, consistency equals change. Definitely, like, in any type of exercise, but even more so in in God's kingdom. Like, that's how God's economy works. Consistency, abiding in him, will equal change. It's called sanctification. He's going to change you from who you were to look more like him. 
And so no consistency means no change. So to avoid being a doll of hearing then, what we have to do is to just be consistent. We just have to stay with him. We can't give up. We can't be lulled to sleep. We have to fight and endure till the end. And so often we just want to give up because it's just too hard. And we can't. We have to stay in the word. Not in a legalistic way. There's going to be days you don't want to read the Bible. But what if you just went to him and said, God, I, I don't really want to read right now. I know that I need to. But I'm going to do it, not because I'm trying to just check a box so that you're happy with me, because I know that's not how this works. But I'm going to read your word, and I'm just asking God that you just move in my heart, move in my mind, speak to me through it, and we'll see what happens. That's better than nothing. It's just better than nothing. I'm not saying go, I'm not telling you to check a box. I'm telling you just go to him so that you can abide in him. Check this out from John 15, 4 through 11. I want you guys to really take this in. It says, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. So he's cleansed us of our sins, right? Like he's saying, he's the word made flesh. He's telling us that. So now, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my word abides, my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. You hear that? This is a tough life like we already discussed. And yet he's saying, just abiding me, I'm going to fill you up with joy. You're going to bear fruit. It's going to be good. It's going to work out. But the problem is, like I already said, some of us think that we're Christians and we're not. And we're, and we're that branch that just never bears fruit. And so you have to evaluate your own life. I can't tell. I don't know. I'm not God. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I can't look at you and be like, oh, you're not really saved. But if you're not bearing any fruit, don't just say, well, I'm dull of hearing. Maybe your branch is getting ready to get cut off and thrown over into the, the burn pile. You don't want to be there. You don't have to be there. There's grace, right? There's grace. For the believer... And for the unbeliever, we're all sinners, and we all need Jesus. But for all of us, we have to abide in him. We're, that's, that's the goal. And when we abide in him with consistency, we're going to bear fruit. We're going to do things. But apart from we're not going to do anything. Like, we're just not. Like, consistency with him matters. We have to stay consistent. That's the biggest thing. And so to avoid being dull of hearing, then also, as we're being consistent, we need to move on to solid food, to the next level. Like, you think about it, if you stay drinking milk, we already just, you'd be malnourished and sick, and it wouldn't be good. But also, wouldn't it just be boring? Like, who would want to eat the same thing over and over again? I had a chiropractor, and dude was fantastic, one of the most fitness, fittest dudes I know. But he ate the same thing for breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. He called it chicken slop. I don't know what was all in it. I didn't want to know. But I know that he said this combination of slop with some chicken and vegetables and whatever, it was the perfect fuel for his body. So for 21 meals a week, that's what he ate. 
He wasn't eating pizza or tacos or gummy bears or anything that I love. He was eating chicken slop. Dude was so fit, I couldn't like deny that it was working for him. But yet, wouldn't your taste buds just grow kind of dull? Kind of like, yeah, I don't know, I would like something new. You cannot be bored as a Christian if you dig into this. Your taste palette of like excitement will be lit on fire. There's so much here. Living out the Christian life will not leave you bored. It will not leave you just sitting with nothing to do. Because when you're not dull of hearing and you're hearing from him and you're moving, you're acting, you're doing things, like he's got all this a whole litany of things he's prepared beforehand for you to walk in. Good works. And yet we'll ignore them because we'll be dull of hearing. So I'm telling you, Move on to bigger things. Don't just stay in milk. Don't just come here and think, well, I'm going to hear from David. I'm going to hear from Corey or my missional community facilitator is going to facilitate a good conversation. I might chime in if they make eye contact with me. Dig in. Read some stuff. Read your Bible. Read commentaries. Ask us. Like, we want you to know the basics, but we want you to move on. Like, we will help you have the resources. And if we haven't, again, we are sorry, and we will make it right, and we will do so because we deeply do want to see you grow in your faith. And then lastly, in order to just avoid growing dull of hearing, make sure that your number one priority is the kingdom of God. That's it. Because if it is, if, it, if, he's, if that's your number one priority, that means you're fully devoted to Jesus. That's it. Being devoted to Jesus is the number one thing will then drive your priorities. And I want you to hear this. Jesus talked about it a lot. In Acts 1-3, this is what he said, and what it says about Jesus. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs. So he's been resurrected, appearing to them for, during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So for 40 days, the risen Jesus is on earth, ministering to people, and the thing that he spoke about was the kingdom of God. That was it. That was the main focus. That was the main purpose. He wanted them to get that. He wanted them to hear that. And so I'm telling you today, if you want to be a, like avoid being dull of hearing, have complete devotion to God, grow, build, don't just stay on milk, and then just prioritize his kingdom first. Just do that. I promise you, it will go well for you. It's not going to go well, I mean, in, in maybe financial terms, health terms, just with the Lord. And you'll know his will. You'll know who he is. So I'm going to ask you to stand with us for this last point because I want you to hear this. This is, this is what happens when we grow in our faith. That's our last point. What happens when we grow in our faith? This is what we should be longing for. We get to teach others. It's a privilege. We get to tell others about the word of God. We get to teach them, whether it's your child or someone in your missional community or neighbor, coworker, it doesn't matter. You get to do that. You get to be part of the Great Commission. He didn't have to use us, use us but yet he does. Next, you're going to grow and be mature in your faith. This is a fantastic thing. This isn't something you should not want. It's something you should long for, that you will grow. You get to advance his kingdom then as him being your Lord and Savior. This is just a few things. But what would happen when you don't become dull of hearing? What you have the opportunity to do? And so what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to lead us to pray before we take communion. We're going to pray scripture. I've been doing this the past two weeks, if you've noticed. We've been praying and some prayer prompts. And the problem with Christians in America, and me included, sometimes we're like, I don't know what to pray. 
and then we'll say, well, and I don't know God's word. But what if we just prayed God's word? And so what we've been doing is we've been praying and looking at the text, and we've been praying reverence to God. We've been praying a response to God then, as in light of that, a request of God in light of the text, and then a prayer of readiness from God. And so that's what we're going to do. They're going to be on the screen, and we're going to, as the band is playing behind us, we're just going to pray together out loud. We're going to pray. I know we're not bowing our heads and closing our eyes. I'm not, it'll be okay. God will still hear our prayers. So this first one on the screen is a prayer of reverence that comes from this text. Let's pray this together. God, we praise you for being the author of absolute truth that distinguishes good and evil. So we're just praising him for who, what he's done, who he is. Next, as we make a response based on the scripture. God, forgive us for at times growing dull of hearing and not discerning good from evil. So we're just responding to him in light of who we are and how we've sinned against him. So let's make a request of God. Holy Spirit, work in us so that we may love the word of God. Then lastly, we're going to just ask him to ready us. So together, Jesus, we ready our hearts and minds so that we can resist being lulled to sleep and become dull of hearing. Let me pray for us. And then believers in the room, let's take communion and remember what he has done for us by dying on the cross for our sins. Those of you who are not believers, today is the day. You can give your life to Christ. You can surrender to him and put your faith in him and he will make sure that you're not dull of hearing. Just abide in him. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for how you love us. God, help us all to not be dull of hearing, to not be lulled to sleep by Satan. Give us the strength and the courage to stand strong and to discern good from evil. Lord, if there's anyone here that does not know you, God, I pray that you will convict them of their sins. You will save them. You will bring them in to the family of God as a son or daughter of yours. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.